All right, chérie. The courtship is over. Oh, the adoration. Oh, the je vous adore. You are my peanut. I am your brittle. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Oh yeah, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and hey lovers, with a big heart-shaped holiday coming up, when's the last time, baby, you took a, you know, deeper look at your relationship with moolah? Today our round table of lovers is going to share their tips, just the tips, on how money can make you more fulfilled and happier, girl. Oh, I mean happier. Instead of like that batch crazy ex of yours. You know the one, baby. Let's welcome a guy who's a comedian and his wife tells me there's a lot to laugh about in the bedroom. From the Crazy Money Podcast... It's Paul Ollinger, and here bringing her own affordable love. Oh yeah, that doesn't sound right, does it? Oh yeah, it's Paula Pants, and a guy who wants to go deep inside your love bunker, it's Len Penzo. Wait, he's not here? But I wrote that, it's gold. It's a great light. Okay, fine. Hey, uh, we just got OG. Oh, and that's not enough, baby. That's just the first course, sugar. I'm also going to lay some Friday fintech on you with the queen of money apps for couples, Oddity Shakar from Zeta. And later, there's going to be a later. We'll light a candle and magnify someone's money. And hold on tight because... I'll share some of my very own hot, spicy, all nasty Valentine's Day trivia. And now, a guy who's wondering why he never gets the Be Mine candies at Valentine's Day, it's Joe Saul Sihai. Fifty-two years old and uh, still going through therapy from that third grade. Horrible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to nearly Valentine's Day episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me here in the basement, it's my good friend, OG. You always get the uh, the hearts that say, maybe later. <laughs> say, ask your mom. <laughs> nope, it doesn't say anything about your mom on your Valentine's Day <laughs> That wow! Didn't, that didn't come. Out right. <laughs> that that didn't come out right. That was a swing and a miss. How are you, man? You got big Valentine's Day plans? Uh, yeah, we're gonna do a little dinner. Maybe Bed Bath Beyond. Maybe Home Depot. Not sure if there'll be time. That's that is big, big weekend plan. That that is a heck of a Valentine's Day, and here celebrating pre Valentine's Day with us from afford anything. It's Paula Pant. Yeah, single for three years. Woo! Fantastic. <laughs> Nothing's greater than Singles Appreciation Day. But well, I don't know. I mean, being single, I think, is a great way to spend Valentine's Day. You get to hang out, do whatever the hell you want. You don't got to spend a bunch of money whining and dining somebody, Paula. It's 
pretty. Yeah, I'll be buying Bed Bath and Beyond stock, Home Depot stock, <laughs> uh, stock in one eight hundred flowers. Not uh, not going to gift yourself a few shares of GameStop. <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's how I'll be spending my Valentine's Day is on Reddit Wall Street bets. Fantastic! Celebrate yourself, absolutely. And the guy who we feel so comfortable with that we even insult him in the open. It's our good friend Paul Ollinger is back. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You, you know, you truly have made the Stacking Benjamin show, and you're not really a guest when Doug's already making fun of you right off the bat. I appreciate the, uh, the, the treating me like family. That's <laughs> how I, I'm one of six kids. And, you know, if you didn't like somebody, you ignored them. So we, we showed love through insulting each other. Would you guys do it straight out, or would you do like my mom does, where it's all uh, innuendo? And I mean, she has a mean passive aggressive streak. Uh, you know, I'm Catholic. So we had the whole guilt. There was a lot of passive aggressive parenting going on. You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says that they wouldn't own it. They blame their unpopular rules on people who lived 2000 years ago. Of course. Isn't that what you do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But there was, but yeah, no, there was a lot of fun. Our dinner table was a, was a hoot of a good time. And probably the reason I quit my sales job to go into comedy because, um, I sustained some emotional injuries there that can't be medicated with more prosaic medicines like uh like booze and money well we're going to talk about your relationship with money because you actually have written a lot about that you've talked about that a ton by the way for the three people that don't know about the crazy money podcast tell us what's going on oh yeah uh it's my thing man it's been uh, a real hoot i'm coming up on two years 100 episodes the whole thing started when i retired at 42 years old like a moron I quit my job at Facebook and thought that meaning would find me when I quit my job and found myself bored and lonely and bothering my wife. And it confused me because my whole life I wanted to make money. And uh, when I got it, it didn't turn out to be the party that I thought it was going to be. But uh, for the last two years, I've been exploring the connection between money and happiness and work and meaning through the lens of my guests' expertise and or money journeys. And I've talked to top authors and academics and uh, winners of the Nobel Prize, the PGA Championship, Olympic gold medals, and all kinds of other stuff. So we have great, great guests coming on Crazy Money all the time. You explore the relationship between money and happiness every episode. We're going to do it for the next half hour because we're doing, we're a fraction as committed to this topic as you are. We got Paul Allinger here. We got Paula here. We got OG here. Let's uh, get this party started. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about money and happiness. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Today's piece comes to us from the Ready to Be Rich blog, Five Facts About the Relationship of Money and Happiness. This piece talks about uh, Dr. Ryan Howell, who's an assistant professor of psychology at the San Francisco State University. Is it the San Francisco State University or I mean, definitively like the Ohio State University? I think it's just a San Francisco State University. University. I think so, too. An assistant professor of psychology at San Francisco State University. Uh, He conducted a study to find out the role of finances and consumption in people's happiness and general quality of life. He starts off, by the way, that credit card debt is an enemy of happiness, that believe it or not, if you have credit card debt, you are not only poorer, Mr. Ollinger, you're actually also sadder. Now, I know that you're somebody that had a bunch of Facebook stocks. You were able to to retire early, but did you ever find yourself in that situation? When I was in my 20s, I was uh, loaded up with credit card debt. And every morning I would wake up and it would take me about 11 minutes before I started thinking about my money problems. That was part of the experience that led me to believe that if I made enough money, someday I would be happy. But, you know, really, there's nothing about having luxuries in your life that feels as good as uh, dumping those credit cards. I tell a joke about it even. They say that the goal isn't to buy a lot of nice stuff. The goal is to be not broke. That's what we should all be aspiring to. The joke of yours I like is the fun thing that you get to do when you pay your credit cards off. You get to call Capital One and tell them to shove their 21% annual percentage rate credit card up Samuel L. Jackson's ass. That was Let me say that again. Let me say that again. You get to you get to call Capital One and tell them to shove their 21% annual percentage rate credit card up Samuel L. Jackson's ass. Doesn't that feel good? He does. And and then when he says, What's in your wallet? You can say, uh, cash mother. <laughs> That's what's in my wallet. That's what's gonna stay in my wallet. I don't need your double miles when I can't afford to park at the airport. Okay. I, I was thinking about the joke before that. The one, the one that kind of I think sets that up where where you talk about, you know what's fun to do? Answer the phone. Like I can answer oh, my phone yeah. whenever I want to. Cause yeah, I remember because- back in the nineties when I had hella debt, I would never answer the phone. Like never. Yeah, the best part about being not broke is every time the phone rings, you can answer it. It is. That's that the, is. It, it's it's a, such a luxury. You know, it's funny when I tell that joke in front of uh, working people, they they laugh their ass off, and when I tell it in front of wealthy people, they they're like, "I don't get it." Isn't that and funny? Like, You've forgotten what it feels like. That's why. And then I remind them, and then they laugh. Paula, did you ever have credit card debt? No, I never did. Never did. But I still don't answer the phone because they're all spam calls. Every single phone call that I get is somebody trying to sell me a timeshare. Really? Yeah. You can see it in the voicemails. Like every voicemail is like timeshare, warranty. You're wanted by the FBI. Yeah. The warranty one's the one I get all the time. My my car warranty is apparently about to expire and this is the last time they're going to call. But that was like exactly. 11 calls ago. Exactly. It's crazy. Does this surprise you, OG, credit card debt, enemy of happiness? No, of course not. Credit card debt sucks, man. It's so stressful. And you don't even really understand the impact that it has from just purely a cash flow standpoint either. I remember when we moved to Texas and uh, we're living in the apartment. We had sold our house and we were you know, saving money to buy the next one. 
we had some credit card bills and that those all got paid off. And we couldn't figure out why the bank account just kept on growing. We weren't trying to save money. We just weren't spending the thousand bucks or the 1200 bucks on the minimum payment thing. And that's, it's such a weirdly seductive, like, oh, I really need that furniture. So yeah, I can swing a hundred bucks a month for the next 72 months. Who cares? You know? And then like a couple months later, you're like, I definitely need a new TV to go with my new couch and love seat and leather ottoman. So I should get that too. And you know, who cares? It's like a hundred bucks a month. A big deal. So I'm doing that for the next 60 months and plus a car payment and a student loan. And all of a sudden, like a third of your money is just going out the window for stuff that's done and used. You already you know? bought. Yeah. God forbid it's something like the J crew sweater that Dave Ramsey talks about. Fun. You uh, already had. Yeah. It's uh, it's weirdly liberating. Maybe it's not weirdly. It's, it's insanely liberating, I think, is probably the way to put that. Sardic. Um, I don't have those fancy comedian words to use. <laughs> Palpable? <laughs> Let me pop open thesaurus.com here. Give some words. Use your words, OG. So spending on others creates happiness, though. Paula, you think that you can spend on others using your credit cards and you'll be fine then? Not using your credit cards, but if you've got oh. the cash to do it, if you've got the space in your budget... Yeah. Buying a gift for somebody. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Buying someone something as simple as picking up the tab when you go to dinner or seeing something that's small, but that reminds you of them or reminds you of a shared memory that you have. You know, that can be that can be really nice. You ever do that thing, Paul, in the drive through where you buy the person's Starbucks behind you? No, I don't believe in that. No, none of the paying forward <laughs> stuff. You're, you're talking about well, the. I paid. Uh, I, I paid for it in other ways. I don't. I don't. You know that that just has always seemed weird to me. Like buy the guy behind me a you know a large fry. Like what? Do, what do you? What favor are you really doing for that person? Right, getting their cholesterol like, up. Do the guy behind me a favor and tell him to go buy some fruit and Swap go to the, out the Big Mac for a salad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that reminds me of that uh, meme or a joke or something like the person behind me was you know we're in line at the McDonald's. And they're laying on their horn and I'm kind of doing the whole like, you know, it's not up to me. It's, you know, it's the whole thing. And uh, so I get up to the front and I just ask if I can pay for their order. And I kind of wave to them and show them that I'm paying for it. And they kind of graciously say thank you or whatever. Uh, but jokes on them. Not only did I pay for their food, but I also took it. So now they get to go back through the line again. <laughs> That'll teach you to beep your horn at me. Why do you think, Paul, there is that distinction? Spending on yourself on stuff doesn't give you joy, but spending on other people does. Well, I can speak from the recipient standpoint. I love it when other people spend on me. So I can say that it does create some happiness. I, you know, I think in serious, in all seriousness, per Paula's comment, it's not just buying something for somebody else. It's the thought that you put into it that says, I get you when you, you know, when you get those presents from your in-laws or even from your own parents or when you, when you did, you'd be like, you don't have any clue who I am, do you? But when you get a gift from somebody who get, who really thought about it, who understands who you are, what you care about or what your sense of humor is, that lights me up. I dig that. And I like doing it for other people too. And I, I, I really like it when I get it right. That's the best part. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That is fun. I'm just thinking about the last two gifts. OG got me, got me this hilarious book, just hilarious book. And, uh, this candle that has a phrase on it that I can't repeat. 
So what was the book? Are, am I thinking about the I'm not coming to work anymore book? Yeah. Yeah. The dude that messes with uh, different companies by writing letters to them and uh, yeah. gets these bizarre responses. That's some fun stuff. I want to ask you, Paul, about number three here, because over the, the years, we've talked about experiences, right? Buying experiences, not things. However, we had Jean Chatsky on the show, I think it was last year, and she talked about how she thought this was overrated. Like for some people, there are things in their life that really do make them feel great. As an example, she was talking about some people that spend money on uh, beauty products to get ready for their day. And without those, without that, they don't feel the confidence. They don't feel themselves as much. What do you think? Is this experience thing, spending money on experiences overplayed? For me personally, I the probably the biggest line item non-mortgage related in our budget is travel expense. You know, I've regretted buying so many things in my life, but I can't remember a trip that I've come home from and thought I shouldn't have done that from a financial standpoint. I mean, there's things that there's decisions I made on those trips that I shouldn't have done. <laughs> but uh no, I mean, like I just got back from a boys uh skiing weekend with some college buddies. Yes, we all got tested and wore our masks outside. And inside, I'm never going to regret the money I spent to go on that trip. And same with the family travel. I mean, we, we do nice trips and they're always awesome. So for me, that's the experience that, that I dig. And, and I mean, you can have most of the stuff that I own, honestly. The only trip that I regret is actually our honeymoon we took all on credit cards. It was all paid for with credit card debt. Yeah. So it goes right back to the top. And I remember this pit in my stomach the whole time we're just whipping out the credit card to have this quote fun that we're expected to have that really in hindsight, Cheryl and I think would have both rather not done that. Um, Well, that's, I think that's also correct. And I would be miserable on a trip if I felt like I was being financially irresponsible. I don't, I don't ever want to find myself in debt again. I I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm not financially autonomous. That's another big word, OG. Uh, autonomous. Write it down. O T T. Uh, just kidding. Is that like? <laughs> is that like hippopotamus? Hip hop. Hip hop anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> now here's the dangerous thing: is the danger of having Paul and Paula on the show together was that I actually asked that question of Paula. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Ask, it's fine. Ask me again. I'll tell. You, I'll, I'll repeat my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Paula, you think, do you agree with Jean Chatsky? This might be overplayed though a little. Well, it depends on how you frame it, right? So Jean's example was beauty products. I would argue that beauty products could be spending on an experience rather than on things. Um, So to the extent that things are useful as tools that facilitate an experience, for example, skis are tools that facilitate skiing. For a lot of people, the ritual in the morning of self-care, the ritual of washing your face, exfoliating, putting on serums, putting on uh, moisturizing creams, putting on a face mask. It's all part of a self-care ritual. And so to that end, it's almost like a day at the spa, except it's a half an hour in a mini spa in your own bathroom. And when you make that a ritual, I would argue that that is an experience that is spending on experience. Putting a bag on your head. Is an experience. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think, I think Paul is right, which is why I find that my Clarisonic spinning facial brush just makes my life a lot better every day. And I paid for it out of OpEx and not, not, not CapEx. (laughs) I I even know what the hell you're talking about. What is he talking about? (laughs) Okay. So he's, he's talking about a tool that, uh, okay. Think of like a car buffer. 
But then imagine it really scaled down for and used for somebody's face. Awesome. It's, an, it's a tool to exfoliate my middle-aged face, Joe. So you look good for your audio-only podcast? That's right. It gently removes dirt, sweat, and oil left behind by ordinary soap and water. And, and that's why I've made the investment. <laughs> that's when you know somebody has too much money right there. Because you have one of those. You're like, oh, I got so the have- guy who uses Irish Spring, which is melting the skin right off his face. You deserve it, Joe. Take that C note off the wall behind you and buy yourself a spinning. You don't like you don't like aluminum in your shampoos. (laughs) (laughs) Only in my sunblock. I was going to say I keep it in my deodorant where it belongs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number four, OG, never buy something just to impress others. You see this with your clients. At least I used to see it with my clients often, you know, and we hear this from Dr. Tom Stanley in The Millionaire Next Door. People who look rich aren't. They're really the wealthy people. No, it's a very real thing in everyday life. It's the proverbial keeping up with the Joneses, trying to see what your neighbors are up to and going, oh, they can afford a pool by God. So can we, you know, they're not the only ones going to have fun this summer. So help me God, even if I have to go $100,000 in debt to do it. I think this happens maybe to a greater extent when you're younger, does this happen the older you get? I, I just maybe it's just, I don't know, not a not a thing that I'm exposed to a whole bunch. Like because most people that I'm friends with are financially okay, I suppose. But do, do, do you think this wears off? I guess is kind of my question. This whole like Jones's thing as time goes on, or or my way off base here. I kind of see it as the opposite. At least in my experience, in your twenties and early thirties, it's perfectly socially acceptable to be broke. That's just normal. And so it didn't seem, at least anecdotally among my various friends, not only was there no competition to upscale, it was actually kind of the opposite. Like I I could afford nicer things, but I kind of downplayed that because I knew that the rest of my friends couldn't because they're all just still broke. They're all at the beginning of their careers. So I think maybe at least again, anecdotally, It seems only now in like, you know, mid 30s, approaching 40s that there's sort of this idea of, well, gee, by now I should have it figured out. And so by now I should Should look like I have it figured out. I did see this article just a couple of days ago about how the status thing that happened to be in the UK where the article was written, but but the status thing around like which schools you went to is very much still in play in London and, you know, the surrounding areas like, oh, you went to that private school. Mm, Too bad you couldn't get into that private school. And that really mattered like in the hierarchy. But as you're talking about it, I was thinking more about uh, not necessarily the impressing your friends, but maybe from the sake of impressing upon others that you finally made it or something. Like I'm not trying to buy the BMW because I'm going to show it off to my buddies but just more to like demonstrate to the universe, like <laughs> check out how successful I am. I, I think that's a, that's a very real phenomenon. We see it here in Atlanta with private school. I'm sure you see it in Texas and, and wherever your listeners are. Both of us have had Ron Lieber on our respected podcast recently. And he talks about in his new book, The Price You Pay for College, how parents will dig themselves into these massive financial holes so that their kid can go to the school with the right name on the sweatshirt as opposed to the state school where they could be paying, you know, Ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year total net of of merit aid, but they're penalizing themselves in their retirement, jeopardizing themselves and their retirement 
for the name brand school. I, I mean, I think it's a very common thing because whether or not you want to impress your friends or you just want to give your child the dream that they've always had, you're still making some pretty big financial mistakes with that investment. I wonder if also it's who we hang out with to some degree, because I feel like being in in our little financial sphere, there's almost the opposite. And you guys see it in the fire forums, especially, right? Anybody buys anything that costs anything, you get roasted for it, right? Yeah. It's They're exact- like, why don't you buy Gatorade? You could have made it. Right? It's exactly <laughs> the opposite. I posted a photo of myself at a campsite, like a paid campsite. I was sleeping in a tent. No, I was sleeping in my car. I was sleeping in the back of my car at a campsite for $14 a night. And I got all of these DMs on Instagram from people being like, oh, you know, if you just drove over there, you wouldn't have to pay the 14 a night. You could camp for free. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah, but okay. First of all, that doesn't have the conveniences of having a table and having a clean space and having like bear proof storage area. And secondly, OMG, it's $14. Yeah. Yeah. And in Detroit, I moved to a really nice area just outside of this town that, um, that there's a lot of wealthy people in this town and you would see people walking around that, I don't know, looking at each other a lot. You know, it just felt like people were looking at each other and people were hanging out at, the popular restaurant because it was that restaurant, not that the food was necessarily better. So I'm wondering if we don't think this is that big a thing just because we we don't hang out with those people. It's a totally big thing. And the the numbers just go up with the neighborhood you live in, right? I mean, the expectations go up, the cost of the mistake goes up. You know, instead of uh, a campsite, you're talking about, you know, the Four Seasons versus the, the Westin, or, and you're talking about a lake house instead of a trip, you know? So I see it everywhere. Every time I tell OG I'm staying at a Holiday Inn Express, he just scoffs at me. He's like, you could have been a comfort inn. I could do. No, it's not that way. It's the other way. <laughs> no. It's, it's a, I'm like, you said Weston versus Four Seasons, and I'm like, it's, it's not a question, is it? Like, if they're in the same town, we know what we're staying at. See, there it is. I'm right not there. sure which way he's going. Is is he saying Four Seasons? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great experience, but it's just a much more expensive thing. Uh Last one here. Last one here is uh, tangible. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing here is tangible goals make saving money easier. This is not a shock to us, but I'm wondering, and Paula, we'll go back to you for this one uh, because we were just talking about the fire community. Is this why you think the fire community gets it right in a lot of ways is because these people are so, these people are passionate about saving money. Like people that go to CrossFit are passionate, right? They talk about it. They talk about it all the time. It's all they want to talk about, what their number is. But they definitely, Paula, have these, this tangible goal. You can feel it when you talk to people that really are in these forums. Yeah. I agree. That tangible goal, like essentially you need a why. Uh, You need a why to power through because otherwise, what motivation do you have to save money, to live frugally, to cut costs, to, um, you know, to get aggressive with your savings, to get aggressive with the money management? Like what motivation do you have to prioritize this unless there is a why at the end of it, something big that makes it, you know, that you're working towards that makes it all worth it? I noticed, again, just anecdotally within myself, when I was saving up to go travel, I was so motivated, like to the point where every orange juice at a grocery store, uh, every carton of orange juice, I was like, do I really need to spend $3 on this? 
once I that trip was over and I lost my why, saving became a lot harder. Not for any logistical reason, not for any numerical reason, but just because I did not have a compelling why at the end of it. Did you have a compelling why, Paul, when you left Facebook? You mean from well, from a financial standpoint or from a like a life standpoint? Well, I guess if you're gonna leave gainful employment, I think they're kind of intertwined, right? Well, so I had the flexibility to not work if I wanted to, which was a bizarre life experience. And one of the things I write about and think about a lot is that we're not prepared for that decision. We we really aren't prepared to think through the ramifications of not working. And so it was great for a little while, but I didn't have a plan. And while I did stand up comedy before I went to Facebook, I wasn't ready to jump back in and fail all over again, which it took me basically two or three years of trying to start to write, finding it incredibly frustrating. Then even going back and I, I, I went to an open mic one night and I bombed so hard that the next morning I started looking for a job again. And so I went back to work for a year. And then finally, after that, I was like, no, my dream is to do stand up comedy, to create and to write content. And I'm going to do that. And that I started that a little over six years ago. You but, went back to I, work just to get a why. I went back to work because I didn't know what else to do. That's right. I lacked a why. The Paula Pant, Simon Sinek why that each of us should have at the center of what we're doing on a daily basis. And until I admitted that what I really wanted to do that was deep, that was really was in my heart was to be a stand-up comedian and to see how good I could be. That's when stuff started to click, to make sense. It was hard. It's still hard. But it wasn't until I recommitted to it that I had a why. How much time, OG, do you spend on the why in your financial planning meetings? Or is that something that people have to figure out on their own? I think that our job is to help ask really good questions and not not necessarily provide somebody with that. But like you said, Paul, to go to just as you think about the decision that you're about to go down, you, you know, you're thinking, OK, I'm going to stop working. It's like, cool. What's your day look like? You know, just some conversation around. Awesome. That's really, that sounds like a really fun time. Walk me through, you know, your first month of not working. And you're like, dude, I'm golfing every day. And I would just say, all right, cool, man. I love golf. Have you ever, what's the most number of days you've ever golfed before in a row? Because as you start kind of playing that out, you just, you just need somebody to kind of challenge it. You, you know, you just go, cause I've done four day golf tournaments and on the fifth day, I can't move, you know, like pro golfers, they have to have like treatment massages and stuff like that in between rounds to like keep it up. So you can't golf every day. So you're going to golf less than every, you know what I mean? So having the thought around like, what does this really look like? Otherwise you kind of fall into that trap of going like, well, crap, I don't I guess I'll just go back to work. I think that our job isn't certainly to provide people with it, but more specifically to just be the person or be the people who are kind of challenging the thinking on different avenues. Let's go around once and ask uh, all of you guys your biggest takeaway that our listeners should take from today's discussion. If you want to have a healthy relationship with uh, money, Paula, we'll go ladies first. Biggest takeaway? I'll have two. If that's not, uh, oh fine. man, I know, right? Have a strong why as to you know, you know why are you saving, why are you investing, what's the end goal, and avoid credit card debt. So essentially, one is pro, the other is anti. OG? I think this can be just kind of summed up by just saying, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You don't have to try to out Joneses the Jones. You don't have to buy the new car because everybody else is. And if you can be 
if you can just focus on your own stuff, you've got a greater likelihood of both remaining happy, but then also accomplishing all of the stuff that you want to do, all your financial goals. Paul is the guest. You got the last word. There's that scene in Wall Street where Bud Fox is told by a senior executive at his company, the thing about money, Bud, is it makes you do things you don't want to do. And if you get yourself into credit card debt, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. So my takeaway would be this. If you're competing against your friends on the luxuries or experiences thing, you're going to lose. But if you get out of debt, it's going to be the most cathartic experience of your life and you will be an autonomous financial entity. And it's fantastic. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Paul, do you and Mrs. Ollinger use apps to plan your expenses, track your money? Not really. Well, here's a good one for you. Our next guest who is joining us has an app that is made for couples. It's super interesting. We interviewed her a couple of years ago. We asked her to come back because there's been a bunch of changes on what they do. And uh, really, they've been growing this app like crazy. And I hear about it more and more all the time. The app is called Zeta. The website is Ask Zeta. And here is the woman behind Zeta, Aditi Shaker, joining us in the basement. And I'm my dad, Shortwave. It's the queen of Zeta. And it's funny because I shouldn't, I don't know if I should say this, but probably easily, easily one of my favorite people in fintech. <laughs> Aditi Shaker joins us. How are you? What an introduction. I'm doing great and I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm happy you're here again. I feel like we don't get to talk enough. 
Last time you surprised us in San Francisco at our meetup, we got to have beers together, which was awesome. I need to do, we need to, well, we all need to do that more, right? Get out of the house again. Yeah. Amen. And have beers. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I I, I haven't let that go. I do have beers. (laughs) So for people that don't know you or Zeta, I mean, we're having you on right before Valentine's Day. I think this might be the perfect Valentine's Day present for couples. (laughs) Tell them how Zeta works. Yeah, for sure. So Zeta is a financial institution for families and couples. We started by launching a money manager for couples. So you could link your accounts, learn about what, how much money you had together, share as much or as little as you wanted to with each other. And that product worked incredibly well over the last few years. That was the first time we met, if you remember, Joe, when we first launching. And over the last few years, as we've had tens of thousands of couples use that product, they've taught us a lot about how technology can help them, how technology can improve their everyday financial lives. So we are literally on the cusp of launching our joint card product, which is going to be the way we like to describe it is like it's a modern day joint account for couples. So whether you're moving in together, you are getting engaged, you're getting married, or even you're ready for baby number one, our goal is to be your financial partner through that journey. The thing that I love, uh, a couple things. Number one is you and I met through our good friend, Farnoosh Tarabi. That's right. And, and she's been in your corner since the beginning. I know She's one of our investors, our earliest investors. It, it, yeah. And she didn't have enough great things to say about, <laughs> about you and the product and you and I met. And I don't have enough good things to say about this because I think it's two things. And I want to talk about this for a second before we get into the joint card stuff. Just that number one, I've always said, as you know, it's about conversations, right? Mm -hmm. But if I can have some good technology that helps make those conversations easier, it's really kind of like a one-two punch. Exactly. When we worked with all of these thousands of couples, they kept saying to us, having that conversation and frankly, coordinating around money between us is a pain in the butt. And how can you guys help us solve for that problem? Because they wanted to have richer conversations, but they were bogged down in sort of the work around money. We call them money chores. And so our our goal was to say, wait, technology can at least solve that basic problem. And then as a result of that, help you have richer conversations. The second big thing that we've leaned into is all of the research around couples finances shows that really at the end of the day, what matters most for you to be successful is whether you feel like you're on the same team when it comes to money. You're tackling it together. And that doesn't mean you have to put it all into one pot. It doesn't mean that you have to exp- you know, show each other every single detail. What it means is instead the two of you sit down together and say, hey, here are some goals that we have that we both buy into and believe in. And how do we accomplish those goals together? How do we team up around those goals? So that's really what we're leaning into from a product point of view is to really bring out the opportunity for you to, you know, quickly message your partner about a specific transaction or celebrate when you reach a goal together. I mean, it's those kinds of moments that are really powerful for couples on our platform rather than treating what most other financial institutions do is treating you like an individual with maybe some random person accessing your account. And let's talk about how the technology actually does that. You have your your budget. I have my budget. We can decide Mm -hmm. if we combine them. We can decide if we combine just a little bit of them. We can decide if we combine the whole thing. You have this flexibility to share what you want to. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. You know, I think when I was originally starting Zeta, I had this thesis that couples were sort of redefining the rules around how to combine finances. And what really blew us away with the money manager is that thesis has absolutely been come true. 
The annoying thing, though, is that no, there was no one model that all couples were using. And in fact, they were splitting their their sort of approach on combining finances across three ways, putting it all together, keeping it all apart or keeping some together and some apart. So we actually built the money manager to be incredibly flexible and not really force you into a model because we found that each couple made the decision based on their own circumstances. That said, we took a lot of that flexibility as we thought about the joint card product. And we said, look, there's a segment of users, typically more than about 60 to 70 percent of couples who really do utilize the joint account. So we want to build the best possible experience around that joint account, whether it's making it easy for you to fund the account. It takes less than 10 minutes to open up the account. We allow you to figure out exactly which bills are coming up and pay those bills via the Zeta joint cards. So we're really leaning into this idea that technology can take over, like I said, those those money jobs you have and create more space and create more room to give you guys the information you need to make good financial decisions moving forward. All right. So I always joke. I always joke. There's so much technology that helps you spend money, but not a lot that helps you really nail it, you know? And so that's really what we're leaning into from a mission and vision point of view. You can tell from all the different things you and I both follow that are going on in fintech Mm -hmm. that uh, we live in a debtor nation. Like we, oh, hey, I can help Mm -hmm. you do this modern layaway where you get stuff now and you don't have to pay for it forever. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. All right. You've mentioned it a couple times. This is pretty, pretty. I, I just can't imagine how hard you guys worked on this. Tell me about how the whole joint cards how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So we're fresh and live this week. We're making it really easy for a couple. Like I said, if you're moving in together and you're about to start sharing rent and utilities, or if you have gotten engaged and are starting to wedding plan and get checks uh, to help you support that wedding, or even if you're a little further along in your relationship, our goal is really to become a financial partner for couples that are first starting out and help them sort of as they go on that journey. First car, first house, first baby, all of the firsts uh, that many of us experience together. Our goal with that is to say, let's start with the joint card. Let's help you with your day-to-day spending, saving. You can even save for goals together, which is one of my favorite features that my husband and I use quite a bit, where you know we wanted to buy a card together. So we started saving for that. We've thought about starting a family. We started saving for that. So those are a way for couples to really sort of come together around their goals. And then the third features that we're really leaning into is making sure that we help you automate your finances. I think we've talked a lot about financial automation uh, in fintech over the last couple of years, but you know it's a really hard thing to do sure. because edge cases, use cases, all of these things create a lot of complexity. What we're really focusing on is that automation from a bills point of view. So, you know, you can tell us what bills you want to pay from the from the account and we'll help you actually do that. We'll pull the money in to the account at the right moment to make sure that those bills can actually get paid. And that's some of the stuff that we're really leading into. Oh, wow. So I not only automate the bill, I automate it coming from, let's say that I'm handling the water bill every month. It, that's it, right. It'll stay there and then go into the joint account a couple of days before or whatever day I set up. That's exactly right. So that's what I meant by the flexibility where there's some couples who will put their direct deposit straight into their joint accounts. And there's some couples who would prefer to have their direct deposit go to their individual accounts. So we say, look, you do you. 
And then we'll come in and build a, a system on top of that. And we'll understand your system and we'll help you guys get set up so that we can pull the money in when it's needed to make sure it happens. And the other thing we're trying to solve for is, you know, there's a chief financial officer in every relationship. Right. And we talked to thousands of them over the last three years. And they've all said to us, can you please do this job for me? I hate it. It's not a fun job. I don't enjoy paying bills. I don't enjoy moving money. And the last thing in the world I want to do is nag my partner. So how can Zeta come in and almost take that work off our plate so that we don't have to bicker about these things? Well, I love that part. But but frankly, the part that I like better is for the person in the relationship. You know, you've got the CFO and you have the person who's in la-la land and thinks everything's fine until it's not fine, right? Yep. And the second is not fine, then that's when the, the finger pointing starts. Why didn't you exactly. take care of this? How come they yes. didn't? And if I can have an app that streamlines everything, shows me where things are, and I don't have yep. to get in the nitty gritty, I yep. think bringing that person along and making it more fun is where the magic is. You're so right. And, you know, that was a big need that the CFO told us is they said, my partner doesn't necessarily have access to the information. So they feel like they have to ask me, right. like, hey, can I buy this? Can I do that? Whereas now with Zeta, they have the opportunity with joint cards to see exactly what's safe to spend, to see that the bills have been set aside. They, they don't need to do that sort of double checking yeah. that the CFO really wants to empower their partner to be able to do on their own. Yeah, I want Cheryl to be my partner, not my mom. Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly right. It's so well said. Maybe that should be our next ad. You know, maybe this is why I like you so much because you're like, you're so right. You're so smart. Like that is just for just just keep it coming, girlfriend. Well, you know keep you've it coming. Been doing this a while, so you have really good instincts. Well, I have. We've been married for a long time, and I know what doesn't work. I mean, we play tested mm -hmm. that for a long time, and then we got it together. You know, mm -hmm. and I have to say, it's the conversations and to your point, technology that really brings it together. Uh, how do people find out more? Yeah, go to AskZeta.com and you'll see all about uh, our new joint card product. You can check out our money manager product. We have two different tools out there and certainly a lot more to come. So excited to share any of this with you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us and geeking out about couple finance just before Valentine's Day. I appreciate it. And happy Valentine's Day. Amen. Hey, stackers, I'm your guide to love, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And after years and years of spending ages helping everyone else have a great Valentine's Day, I'm done. You'd think that just one person would do something like Valentine for me. I'm not asking for a box of candy or anything from guests, even though that Paul Ollinger keeps winking at me. But just, you know, like a happy Valentine's Day from Joe's mom or either of these two yahoos would be a welcome change. Not asking for much. Well, I've had it. So more sugar for me this year. Uh, I'm tearing into this bag of candy hearts right now. Be mine. Yes, I will. Candy. Hello, lover. Yup. I'm a heart lover. Hey, before I get too sugared up, let's share today's trivia challenge question for the gang. Valentine's Day is typically a pretty spendy holiday for some people. In fact, men say they'll spend an average of $153.65 compared to just $77.89 women plan to spend. So here's the question. What is the expected total Valentine's spending on gifts for partners, friends, pets, and more in 2021 in the U.S.? 
I'll be back faster than you can eat some heart-shaped candy. Well, if you're new to the show, you may not know that we have a trivia challenge going on between our three contributors to this segment. Paul, today you're going to play on behalf of the gentleman with the day off, Mr. Len Penzo. Len, by the way, is tied for the lead. He has two so far this year early on. OG just pulled into the tie. Sandy Smith last week, OG, one on your behalf. And Paula, as is her way, has one. But I think think she does that on purpose because she likes to go last. I do, yeah. So, Paul, because you are representing the champion, uh, defending champion, Mr. Penzo, you have the honor of going first. Total spending in the USA on Valentine's Day. I'd like to apologize to Mr. Penzo, first of all, for getting his answer wrong. Uh, what did you say the average man spent? Uh, spends $153.65. Women spend $77.89. $77.89. So if, let's just uh, do a case interview here. How many couples are there in the United States times 153? Call it 200. I'm going to say, uh, hang on a second. Can I get my calculator out? Absolutely. Okay. Hang on. What's one E10? <laughs> That's my answer. One E10. <laughs> Just turn it landscape. Oh, hang on a second. That says $10 billion. Yeah. Let's say 10 billion. Sure. What the hell? $10 billion for Paul. That sounds high to me, but okay. OG. You're spending 10 billion on uh, Mrs. OG this weekend, aren't you? At the Four Seasons. At the Four Seasons. That's right. She actually bought me a pillow from the Four Seasons. If you if you need pillows, check the Four Seasons uh, website. I can't think of anything more frivolously expensive than a pillow from the Four Seasons. Especially when you just put one in your suitcase and walk out. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the fire people do. <laughs> oh, you no. bought that? <laughs> All right. $10 million is the is the opening salvo. I feel like the number is going to be higher than this because you also said pets, which people are kind of silly and buy their pets like crap for Christmas. And you got to give this the kitty a stocking. Sorry, Paula, if that's what you do. Um, Probably buying Jeffrey a something, something for a Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, no. I, I sometimes get them like a nice can of food, but that's about it. Getting, they'd have to eat anyway, so it's getting you know, crazy. I just the, upgrade their fancy feast into an extra fancy feast. I, I feed my animals. That's, that's yeah, exactly. What they get three hots and a cot. That's what they get, and they will like it. Is is extra uh, fancy feast like fancy feast served on a nice platter? <laughs> you know, actually, I have been thinking about upgrading their bowls. You know, cats when the whiskers hit the edge of the bowl can suffer from whisker stress, so they make these special like. Whisker friendly cat bowls. I, I maybe that's what I'll get them for Valentine's Day. That's just shave idea. the whiskers, Paula. Easy. <laughs> Take out some clippers <laughs> and poof. Then they get stuck in the in the, the in the stairwell uh, banister post. All right. So enough jibber jabber. I'm going to say the numbers higher. I'm going to go with sixteen point seven billion. Sixteen point seven. I couldn't just make it an even number because no. Paula would have just evenly split the difference. She may still, but uh, but I couldn't say like 20 because she just said 15. All right. 
Do I think you're both high? Do I think you're both low? Or do I think it's somewhere in the middle? Oh, I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a good joke. I don't endorse drug use, kids. Don't do drugs. This is spending in the United States. I don't know. I feel like Paula is talking to us like she's God. He's God. <laughs> is this in the United States? Is this spending in the United States? Yes, it is the United States. I'm in the habit of chronically under-guessing, so I'm just going to go with $16.8 billion. $16.8. Oh, gee, it's Chelsea Brennan on the top side. Such bull. I might also point out uh, that they have recently closed all the U.S. Godiva chocolate stores in the country. Mm. If that changes your answer, Paula. Nope. My 16.8 stands. All right. We'd love to tell you. Love to tell you who's right, uh, but we're going to do that in a second. Well, between juggling all the different responsibilities you have, you probably know that managing your money has typically been seen as complicated, time-consuming, and just another reason to bite your nails, right? But for half a million investors who have accounts with M1 Finance, investing smarter, it's more automated, and easier than ever. Do yourself a favor this year. Check out M1. This finance super app's designed to be personalized for your needs, and their automation tools make it simpler to reach your financial goals. With M1, you can invest how you want with access to fractional shares and unmatched automation all for free. Borrow against your investments, super low rates, just two to three and a half percent, and use this flexible portfolio line of credit for anything like investing more in your portfolio, refinancing other loans to get that lower interest rate or funding large projects. M1 ties it together in a free digital account so you have more flexibility and smoother money movements back and forth. Just keep in mind, of course, borrowing involves higher risks and rates can vary. Visit M1 Finance, that's M the number one finance.com forward slash SB to sign up and you're going to get $30 because you're a stacker to invest. Again, that's visit M1 Finance.com forward slash SB stackers to sign up and you'll get $30 to invest. Terms and conditions apply. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Paul, you kicked it off with ten billion, and uh, you're definitely not high. You've got all the. If, if it's only eight and a half billion, you got it. It's eight and a half. 
No, I'm saying if it is. Oh, well, let's not get into speculation right now, Joe. I, I just want to know if I won or not. <laughs> oh, gee, six, 16.7, which means you've got everything, what, from 13, 13 uh, billion-ish? Whatever. Paula, 16.8, feeling good? I've got the whole upside. All right, Doug, what's our answer? Hey, stackers, it's your Valentine's expert, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I guess it's time I sit down and write out some Valentine's messages. I'm going bare bones, though. Just just one line for everybody. Okay, um, here we go. Uh, dear Paula, even if I can't afford everything, I know I can't afford life without you. Oh, man, Doug, that's gold. Okay, all right, ne- ne- next one. Dear Paul. My feelings for you are no joke. Brilliant. Okay, um, here we go. Uh, dear OG, may your life soar as high as your airplane. Oh my God. <laughs> These guys are going to eat this crap up. Suckers. After this, I totally got to ask for a raise. Let's get to today's trivia answer, though. The question was, what is the expected total Valentine's spending on gifts for partners, friends, pets, and more in 2021 in the U.S.? Well, Americans are collectively planning to spend about $21.8 billion during the Valentine's issue. Whoa, I missed a meeting, folks. I'm not spending that much. And not a damned dime of that is coming my way. It's time to go get these Valentines sealed and hand-delivered, and I'll have those three eaten out of my hand. See ya! Woohoo! Sweet! Paula is in an awkward place. She's tied for the lead. (gasps) What? I went from being last to tied for lead? Isn't that crazy? Worst to first. My initial thought was 22, and I was like, nah, I can't say that, because then Paula's just going to split the difference, and then it's going to be coming at 18, and I'm going to be miss it by too much like I did with Len's Oprah guest bullcrap. <laughs> so congratulations, Paula, on the big win. Uh, two weeks ago, we had our lost file incident, Paul. That's that's what the pros do in uh, recording. We record an episode and then we have problems with the file and we don't, we don't, you know, have two different ones. So we end mm-hmm. up duct taping it together. So for those of you who played the home game, what we did was we asked you this question, how many episodes of Oprah Winfrey's show did she have while she was on the air from the late 1980s until 2011? And the question was, what was Len Penzo's winning answer? Something that you couldn't look up. Len Penzo's answer was 3,750, and we had a three-way tie. So the three people... Congratulations to all of you that are going to get some Stacking Benjamin swag. At 4,000, we had uh, John Sidaway. We had John Eversall. The two Johns both came in at 4,000. And uh, Luke Langholtz uh, just underneath it at 3,500. So congratulations, guys. Gertrude's going to be reaching out to give you a code so that you can get some sweet Stacking Benjamin swag. Paul, you got some sweet Stacking Benjamin swag? I want some. Where do I get I it? I say we got to rectify that, man. We're going to have Gertrude send you a code as well. I would love that. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. All right. Hey, before uh, Paula gets too big ahead, because she just 
won this thing. Let's magnify somebody's money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. Paul, you know what happens when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money? Your life gets better. It's so much better. It's unicorns, rainbows, and 92% of all the financial products you use every day, all ranked from top to bottom. Nice. It's incredible. Whether it's a cashback credit card, your savings account, checking account, and now you even have links to mortgages, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Today, we're going to help anonymous handle her money. And you know uh, what we do over on the Afford Anything show, Paula, is when we have an anonymous caller, we give them a name. So uh, so clearly this this person needs a name and the name generally derives from a movie. Well, wait a minute. Okay. Actually, you know what? This is the episode that has both Paul and Paula. It kind of reminds me of uh, Julie and Julia. Ooh. Did you see that movie? No, I have not. Oh. Paul, did you see that one? I did a while back. Julia Child. And yeah, what's her name? Uh, Amy Adams. Yeah. She's great. Good stuff. Paula, you got to see it. Paula will never see right. it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably not. Uh, so is this going to be Julie or Julia we're talking to? Let's go with Julia. All right. Uh, Julia, say hello. Hey, Joe and OG. I have no witty comments, but I do have a question. My sister passed away several weeks ago, leaving behind a three and an 11 year old. I'd like to set up accounts for the kids because um, we keep getting questions from family asking what they can do to help. Um, I, I don't think 529s are the best route because one of the kids has a disability and likely won't be attending college when they're older. I'm not sure if it'd be best to have an account for the kids to access when they're older or if it's better to have the funds available to help cover their expenses while they're young. Uh, so I'm interested in all of the options at this point. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Thanks for the show. Hey, Julie, thanks for the call. And I'm I'm sorry to hear about your sister. And what a nice gift to set up something for the kids. Mr. Ollinger, we'll start with you, man. Do you have any, any thoughts for Julie? Uh, I, I wish I did. This is not my area of expertise other than to say uh, deepest condolences, Julie. This is a really tough time in your sister's children are lucky they have you in their life. So uh, I'll let the experts and the the real personal finance experts answer the question. Paula, what are you thinking? First of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And I echo what Paul said, that they're lucky to have you in their life, life. You know, looking <laughs> out for them. This is not my area of expertise, but the first thing that came to mind when I heard you talk was setting up some type of a trust uh, for these these children. There are many different types of trusts that are out there. That is not my specialty, so I'm going to kick it over to OG. No pressure, I guess. Um, so for the third time, fourth time today, uh, sorry to hear the news about your sister. A couple of things that just I was thinking about. You you mentioned probably not for college, so uh, but with a disability. So I immediately thought of the ABLE accounts, which are tax deferred, can be used for education and for uh, health care issues and stuff like that into the future. No tax benefits of putting the money in. So it works just like a 529, but it's for people who have assisted care needs later in life uh, or now for that matter. Uh, and as a place just to kind of dump money, if you don't know the kind of the timeline of the expenses, every state's got one just like a 529 at this point. So, so you kind of work on it like that. You can make investments in it. 
as long as it's used for an appropriate purpose, there's no taxes or penalties on distributions or, or withdrawals. You want to separate the money from the kid because uh, 11-year-olds are not really smart with money. I have one of them. He's a terrible financier at this point. But you know, you know what's even worse than an 11-year-old and 18-year-old with money? And an 18-year-old with a whole bunch of money. So God forbid you just put this money in a bank account and in the proverbial like UGMA account, the, the UGMA account that you go to the bank and say, I need to set up an account for my nephew. And they go, oh, this is the one you want. Well, the reality of that is that that turns that money over to the child at 18 and there's nothing anybody can do about it. I made terrible decisions at 18. Most people make terrible decisions with money at 18. So I think you want a little bit more a little bit more control over that. So this is something that you want to engage with an estate planning attorney on a trust attorney to figure out what the best place kind of vehicle for those, for those assets. The other thing I would bring up about the child with a disability, this is also a great conversation for a qualified planner or an attorney who specializes in this because there's so many government benefits that you could be qualifying for and you don't want to negate those benefits by sounds really silly by but by actually having money because some of that is need based and and if you set up an account correctly you you can make it so that you don't actually quote unquote have the money earmarked for the kid if there's um you know the right protections in place so number one you want to keep it out of the kids hands when they're 18 number two you want to put somebody in charge of it who knows how to manage money thanks for the call julie and if you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. I forgot to ask you, Paul, at 18, you made great decisions with money, didn't you? Paul or Paula? Paul. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Just to be clear, I didn't ask Paula because we already know Paula made great decisions with money at 18. Like eye-rollingly good money decisions at 18. I would object, but all right. <laughs> I made $15 mowing lawns in my neighborhood, and I, I turned that into uh, $45 million of AT&T stock by the time I was 19 and a half. Nice. So, yeah, I made, no, I made terrible decisions. I made, and the older I got, I think uh, OG was absolutely right that an 18-year-old is worse with money than an 11-year-old is, and a 22-year-old is worse than an 18-year-old is. And I think it takes getting kicked in the teeth by credit card companies a few times before you go, wait a minute, I see a pattern here. I'm spending like way more than I made. And it, it, I, you don't get away with it. There's, and, there's only one person who's bad here. <laughs> it might be me. Yeah. Right. So you keep getting these bills every month and you bounce a few checks and you're like, wait a minute, this, I'm not winning at this adulting thing. I got to figure out how to do this. Cause it's, it's, it's not as easy to manage your money as they said it was in the student center when they gave me a free t-shirt with my visa card. <laughs> You got the t-shirt? I think I got the Frisbee. Thanks for the question. Once again, you got a question, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Well, let's see what's going on where you guys live. OG, you're ready for the big uh, Valentine's Day weekend? Yippers. Uh, Hand-making uh, chocolate with like uh, like into edible flower arrangements that are all, it's just going to be an amazing thing. What I mean by handmaking, I mean ordering from the internet and Amazon shipping to my house. Right. That's what we That's figured. What, and what do you mean by edibles? <laughs> or the, uh, Let's just say it's, <laughs> it's, how can I, how can I turn this into an underpants joke? Let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Take a right turn there. I thought you were saying that you were going to order it from the uh, Four Seasons gift shop. No? 
maybe not. <laughs> Four Seasons gifts, Total Landscape the Peninsula. <laughs> the candy bars at the Peninsula Hotel. It's not the four. Get your hotels correct. I'm so tired of correcting you people on what hotels are where. Sorry about that. Paula. Yo. What's happening at the Afford Anything podcast next week? On the Afford Anything podcast, Paul Merriman joins us to talk about oh. the two fund portfolio. I love that guy. He's great. He's fantastic. And I can't believe I have done. Oh, so the uh, the podcast that's coming up is going to be our 301st episode. That's the Paul Merriman episode. The podcast with you, Joe, is our 300th episode. Really? Yes. I get to be there for it. Yeah, you're the episode 300 special. You can tell by the way that we're saying this that we haven't actually recorded it yet. <laughs> so, so basically, it's it's the perfect combination of this is the Afford Anything podcast's five year anniversary. We've just hit 15 million downloads, and we're celebrating episode 300. That, by the way, is a lot of pressing the download button on your part. Isn't I it? know, right? 15 million times. <laughs> Exactly. That software that I wrote to, you know, repeatedly download my own show. Right. Some people mine Bitcoin. Paula <laughs> re-downloads her show to drive up advertiser revenue. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's all if you shorted my show, you'll be sorry. That's right. It's all a game to sell Casper mattresses. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Mr. Ollinger, what's coming up hey. on that Crazy Money Podcast? You know what I'm going to do on the 14th? Normally, Crazy Money comes out on the Tuesday, but on the 14th, it's going to be a special re-release of my conversation with my wife talking about how we talk about money. If you want to hear me cringe and hear nervousness in my voice, tune into that conversation because it's really, it's really easy to tell other people how they should think about their money. It's not really easy to talk to your spouse about it. Wow. And to talk about with the microphone running, was she comfortable with that? it's not so much the microphone as it is the recorder, but yeah, absolutely. She was, she was way less nervous about it than I was. And I think she actually, uh, she actually dug, uh, being able to let the rest of the world know what she deals with on a daily basis. That's coming up Sunday on crazy money. Yeah. Then on the 16th, I have James Altucher, who's got a new book coming out called skip the line. So by all means, tune in. Thanks folks. Awesome. And that's where finer podcast are distributed. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our roundtable. Your relationship with money will be the best when you avoid overspending and buy things focusing on experiences and others rather than stuff. Second, take a lesson from Zeta. If you're in a relationship, until you manage to run your money as a team, then your money will be running you. But the big lesson? Well, uh, th- th- this is awkward. Not everyone thinks I wrote only them a heartfelt Valentine note. No, no, OG, I am not your Valentine. Get, dude, step back. Thanks to our roundtable for joining us in the basement. You can learn more about everyone I'll mention here and find more resources at our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Or you can hear more from Paul at the Crazy Money Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out Paula Pant at the Afford Anything Podcast. If you want to learn more about Zeta, then just head on over to askzeta.com. 
This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Anybody have a horrible Valentine's Day experience? Because we can't talk about the really great Valentine's experiences. Any train wrecks? I seem to recall being in the in the airport lounge at LAX talking to a girl I was dating coming out for Valentine's Day and uh, hearing something in her voice that told me, maybe I shouldn't be getting on that plane. And uh, I did not. And I went home. Oh, it's cold, man. It was That's cold. Nice. Now, did you come up with, oh, yeah, there's a plane issue or did you just totally delete the number and ghost? Oh, oh no, there was it wasn't that the issue wasn't with the plane. The, the issue was with the dude that uh, was taking my place over Valentine's Day weekend. I think. <laughs> the re- replacement. Yeah, I just had this. Uh, it was an HR issue. OG is what it was. <laughs> and uh, there was redundancy in her administrative services if, if, <laughs> i got it it wasn't you you were picking up the vibes i was being so dumped was, i was being dumped passive aggressively over the phone I oh t- you were oh okay i think i didn't catch that at the beginning okay that totally sucks it mm. i took a date to a high-end restaurant and i'm a farm boy from farm country in west michigan so i had no idea uh how a high-end restaurant really worked i was by high end you mean ponderosa yes like what's your sizzler cracker barrel yes i love ponderosa (laughs) so i uh i looked at the menu and being very confident the waiter comes up and i looked at him and i said we will have a carafe of wine please and he said i'd love to get you a carafe of wine uh yeah i messed that up i've been with the same woman for 20 three valentine's days dude does your wife know (laughs) (laughs) i actually have no memory of any valentine's day prior to to going out with her (laughs) because it was like 20 or 19 yeah i mean you know so they've been all magical at least in my own mind at dinner one time with uh steve eiserman oh on valentine's day dinner with steve eiserman 
what I mean to say is he was in the same restaurant. He was sitting pretty close, but it was like one of those like, oh my God, 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 the whole time like eating. Okay, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Look, look. Did you go say hi to him? No. I asked him how his knee was. You did. Because during like the time it was, you know, obviously years ago, but but he had like uh, knee surgery or something. I was like, just said, hey, how's the knee? And he went, oh, it's pretty good. I went, cool. Wouldn't that be I weird to have a to have a career where rando strangers come up to you and ask you how your knee is? Like to have that type of a career. Does that come I'm with a assuming he's an athlete. <laughs> would you would you rather have him ask how your mom's basement is? Is that Yes, that's it. Uh, Joe, how's your mom's basement? That is the question <laughs> that we get at events is so do you really do you really do this from your mom's basement? And then we just have to show him the picture. Yeah. Really? Of course. Very deadpan. Uh, why would we On pay? On a shortwave radio. Why would we pay rent? Paula, you've got one. Not. So Will and I were together from when I was 23 until I was 34. And then I've been single ever since. So I don't really have any Valentine's date stories other than, you know, other than when I was with Will. Uh, but I will say on our 10 year anniversary, I could tell that he was a little bit nervous to, you know, like to plan an anniversary night. Like it's a 10 year anniversary. You don't want to get that wrong. Yeah. And so I was like, you just show up. I'll take care of everything. I'll, I'll plan it. I'll handle all the details. You don't have to do anything. You just show up. There had been a really fancy Taco Bell that had just opened up in Las Vegas. <laughs> like a really nice one. It has a DJ. It, it sells booze. It sells like slushy booze. And so I, I played it up like I made him think that we were going somewhere really nice. He was like, what should I wear? You know, and I was like, you know, make, make sure you're, you know, you're nicely ironed shirt, like. Make sure your shoes are shining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then I played it up like we had reservations. I was like, okay, well, we, we got to be there by 730. All right, so we've got to leave. By and so we go down to the Las Vegas Strip. We're wa- we walk and we, we don't park anywhere near it. You can't really because, you know, the yeah. Las Vegas Strip, you park in a lot. You walk, you walk, you walk. And then we stroll right into a Taco Bell. And he turns and he looks at me and I can see this expression on his face where at first he can't tell if I'm serious or not. And and he so he just kind of looks at me and I'm standing there grinning, like super happy, like we're at Taco Bell Cantina. <laughs> and and you can just see the recognition dawn on his face like my wife wants to go to Taco Bell on our 10 year anniversary. <laughs> this night is going to be a lot cheaper than I was imagining. <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, 
and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 